Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Pikachu's wearing bubblegum lip gloss and low-rise jeans because he's having his best year since 2000. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard. And then on Thursday, we are educating ourselves on the Pokedex. But in the meantime, Mark, how's it going? It's going great. I mean, educating ourselves on the Pokedex, not a minute too soon, I feel Uh, like. Yeah, I mean, arguably 22 years too late, (laughs) right? (laughs) If, if Pokemon's having their best year since the year 2000, uh, you, you know, it seems like we're we're a little behind the curve on this one. A, a tiny, just like tiny a little bit. out of touch. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> all right. Speaking of things that we are not out of touch with, we are very much in touch with my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces to play for as long as you want or not, and then send it back to me. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Uh, there's no controlling that. It just It's an Untitled Goose. Uh, you have no say over how that plays out. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it so much to everybody who has left us a review. It really improves our ranking in those like podcast stores helps people find the show helps grow the nintendo cartridge society thank you to princess p pink who left us a five-star review on apple podcast this past week i feel like it's an important distinction to make that it is p like the vegetable princess Mm. p pink not um any other type of right and 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 it's not like uh the the p or the, the wait that the, I guess it is like the pea is pink, right? Like the it is like a vegetable that is instead of being green, it is pink. But instead of being any of those things, it's a princess. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, I I think I'm following that. I think I'm following <laughs> yeah. that, and I believe it to be true. Okay, good. Well, I just I just want to make sure that we're wrapping our heads around these people's users na- usernames. <laughs> um, Thank you so much, uh, Princess P. Pink, uh, for leaving us a, a five-star review. Um, and thank you to everyone who has left us reviews or uh, ratings anywhere, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you do it. If you are uh, doing it somewhere where we don't normally uh, – aren't normally monitoring, uh, just email us or uh, tweet at us. Let us know, and we can give you a shout-out on the show. Another thing you can do uh, – look, March is Kirby Month. We're getting a brand-new Kirby game on the Nintendo Switch, so we're excited. Uh, but we also have some. There is. It's not as bad as Pokemon, but there are parts of the Kirby canon that we are unaware of, and so we are going to spend the month of March playing as many Kirby games as we can, digging in deep to Kirby. So if you have a game that you would like us to play in the Kirby franchise, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. 
or if you have Kirby memories you want to share or anything like that. If you have some perspective on Kirby that you think is important for us to have before we start running our mouths about what Kirby is and is not, you just let us know. Um, be part of the show. We're giving you we're giving you some time on this one. Yeah, we're giving you a little bit of warning because yeah, even if we don't have context, that won't stop us from running our mouths about it. That's right. Think back on Game & Watch Month. There, there was a long time where we didn't know anything what we were talking about there. I also, I feel obli- like I feel as a point of personal pride for us in this show to point out that we were planning Kirby Month before Nintendo put Absolutely. Kirby in the Forgotten Land in March. It just so happens that uh, the two coincide. Right. So it looks like we are geniuses. Um, when it could have gone the other way. It could have been that you know, it was like a February <laughs> release. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, I don't know. We're doing this outdated Kirby Month thing. But it doesn't matter. It's going to be a great time. We have already established that we are going to count uh, Kirby Superstar as sort of like table stakes. That those are uh, That's a game that we will both have familiarized ourselves with. Mark, I know, already loves it. I have played a little bit, but I'm going to uh, play more. So that we all have sort of the same base level to start from when we are talking about Kirby games. We know the power-ups, we know the gameplay types, uh, and so we'll just sort of move on from there. So I appreciate everyone uh, saying you got to play Kirby, Kirby Superstar. Don't worry, we will. Um, all right, Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. that Tetris 99 there was a Tetris Maximus Cup this last weekend for Pokemon Legends Arceus um Mark how how did you uh how did you find that so I uh, my as is well established on this show Tetris 99 Maximus Cups are something I always enjoy I like going back into them but it is usually a long journey for me to get the 100 points in order uh-huh. to uh be awarded the theme but this time i actually made it into the top 10 two times two separate times Mark. which for my for myself is essentially a tetris maximus <laughs> i'm so proud <laughs> but like wildly inconsistent like i would get sure. like a top nine and then the next time i'd be destroyed and be like 88 you know i'd yeah, be out yeah, so yeah. quickly um i have not achieved a tetris maximus in this cup yet um, I did get the theme because um, I usually finish somewhere in the top 10. Um, although I did have one game where I finished like 83 and was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, how, how do you uh, how do you like the theme itself? I thought this one was so like you mentioned, it's for Pokemon Legends Arceus. It was not what I expected at all. Like the Tetris 99 themes, if you've never uh, like experienced one before, basically they change the background image like the field that you're playing on, they change what the individual Tetris blocks are composed of. They're still blocks usually, or as far as I can remember, but they have like uh, different images on them that are usually specific to the game. And then there is always um, a, like a different musical theme. And well, three, three pieces of music, one for like the start of the game, from like uh, 99th place to 50th place and then from 50 to 10 there's another piece of music and then from 10 down to one there's a a final piece of music right and generally speaking I only experienced two of those three (laughs) if I'm lucky but I so I I thought that the music was not what I expected from a Pokemon game it's um 
really uh, pretty. Very pretty. Reminds me of kind of like the musical stylings of Breath of the Wild a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that that totally tracks for me, and that it feels like kind of sparse, very open, some like tinkly piano. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was really nice. I always think it's a weird mix when they have these like beautiful orchestral themes with the high kind of like intensity of Tetris ninety nine. But yeah, um, but once you hit fifty and the top ten. It really like kicks in with that high energy. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun. I always like these. Yeah, I I always like them too. I found the background image in this one to be just a little too busy, so that like I was having a hard time playing at the bottom of the screen, like at the bottom of the board, because there were like that. That's where like the character is, like you know, sort of at the bottom of this vista. Um, and there was just a little too much stuff going on down there for me to see what was clearly happening. I've also, I didn't uh, include it on the show notes, but I am still playing Paper Mario on the Nintendo Switch Online, and I'm in the flower fields right now. Um, I think, well, actually, I guess I know that I'm fairly close to the end of the game. I think there are, man, seven or eight stars that you have to collect, and this is number six. And, but yeah, I, I am really enjoying Paper Mario. I'm kind of sad when it will come to a close i i do wish that thousand year door was easily accessible because i'm totally in the mood to just like jump into the next one yeah you're jones in for paper mario yeah um i i gotta get back to um paper mario on the nintendo 64 uh nintendo switch online i'm currently playing banjo kazooie on that thing uh because it, it that launched on the 20th um as just part of the service which is great and we knew was coming and i st- i i've also played this game uh kind of recently although not for very long on um xbox because it's available as part of xbox game pass and it's like the 360 version i believe um but like that's just not the same like i wasn't totally prepared for how i was going to feel playing banjo kazooie again with a nintendo 64 controller in my hand um I'm really, really loving it. I it's I, a totally a nostalgia trip for me, and I know, like, I kind of objectively know it's not a a great uh game, and like the camera is futzy, and like banjo is kind of slow, um, but like the music's incredible. Uh, the the game has this. Well, I don't always love the aesthetic of the game or like the uh, personality of it. Um, it is like relentless in expressing that personality. Like it is so itself that like I can't help but respect it. Um, and then uh, I'm really just loving the like sort of slowly going around the worlds and like finding all the stuff. Like it's not, it's not a, it is a platformer, but it's not about the platforming. You know what I mean? Like it, it's about like you know, poking your head into every little corner of, of the worlds and just like finding stuff. And I'm really having a great time. That's awesome. I, yeah, there is something so specific about the Nintendo 64 controller that you yeah. just cannot reproduce that experience, that exact experience on any other hardware, on any other controller. Do you, do you, I, I kind of expect that we will eventually get Banjo Tooie, right? I mean, probably. I don't know. I mean, I, I would think 
so I, I wonder if like every rare game they put on the the service is like another hurdle for them. Like if, if it takes some sort of, you know, like political capital with Microsoft or or with Rare, um, or if they can just publish them all, you know, because they published them originally, or you know, like I I, I don't know what the deal is. Um, but I would think that there are other rare games they would prioritize over uh, Banjo Tooie, right? Like. Um, uh, Donkey Kong 64, I feel like, has got to be a, a game that they put out at some point. I would hope Diddy Kong Racing. Um, but then even, you know, like Conquer or Perfect Dark, like, you know, any of those, I feel like, may take precedence over um, getting Banjo-Tooie out. But I don't know. Uh, Tooie is not actually a game that I've played. Well, same here. That's why I'm kind of, I would be interested. Well, of course, a lot of those games that you named I haven't played. Like, I never played Perfect Dark on the Nintendo 64. I never played conquer and so yeah it, it will be interesting to see how many of those rare titles actually end up making it over yeah i mean you would think that the those with nintendo characters diddy kong racing and donkey kong 64 would be like a shoe-in because like what why 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 wouldn't they <laughs> like, yeah donkey kong it's, 60, it's a slam dunk yeah donkey kong 64 feels like a a gimme like that feels yeah. like it has to be coming at some point we didn't see it in the like lineup of uh, although there were remember there was a couple weeks ago where there was that like um, a list that was I guess it was a, a, a data mind that it was like a, a list with a bunch of blanks in there for what Nintendo 64 games could be part of the service. Um, so like there are so many games in there and probably there's a slot for Donkey Kong 64 and Diddy Kong Racing. Um, but yeah, it it would be it would be cool if they can keep delivering games, uh, like games I'm interested in. I also it feels like with the Nintendo 64 emulation, they are beginning to run up against some like walls and bugs that didn't really seem to be a problem earlier. And so I do wonder if that will be a factor in what games make it onto Nintendo 64 Switch Online, where it's like, well, we tried with Donkey Kong 64, but for whatever reason. You know, the emulator doesn't play nice with it, so maybe it doesn't come for yeah. that reason. Well, and, you know, it's sort of jumping ahead to uh, some news items that we have uh, coming up later. But, um, you know, uh, Majora's Mask is uh, the, the the next game, and that required the expansion pack um, in, a, like, a physical card that went into your Nintendo 64 to play. So if, it's, if, they're, if the emulation is able to do that, presumably it's able to also... Because uh, Donkey Kong sixty four was another game that required the expansion pack, so you know we'll 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 see. Uh, they they are making some improvements to the emulation, and again we'll get to that uh, in 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 the news portion. So maybe we should just stop talking about <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Although uh, I it, the fact that Banjo Kazooie came out uh, did make me wonder, like, oh, when are we going to get uh, another uh, batch of Genesis games? Did we, we got that batch of five right around the time of Paper Mario. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. That was already a month ago. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're on a totally different cadence. Uh, it, yeah. it, honestly, the, the thing with this is it feels like at any moment, we know that there are nin more Nintendo 64 games coming because Nintendo has said so. But with the Genesis ones, I feel like at any time they could be like, well, that's it. Why are you waiting yeah, for that more? that was it. <laughs> That is funny that uh like at 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 some point we did get um uh 
confirmation that they were going to continue adding to all of the libraries um and then uh we got five more genesis games and i wonder if like that was it <laughs> those five more were like the end there's still so many sonic the hedgehog games that aren't on there like you know that and that that, that seems like it, it should be sort of uh just part of it like the an assumed part of it but then again i sort of feel like pilot wings and wave race should have been part of the uh opening salvo for the um, nintendo 64 online but yeah and neither of those are ones that are in the queue as that we know of right now right not even i, I not even wave race I don't think I don't so. It's, it's I been can't a while, it's been a while it's been a since while. I looked at that list. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's what we've been playing this week and speculation about what we could be playing in weeks to come. Um, but let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, Tuesday, January 25th, Patrick, you have a game listed on here. The Artful Escape is released on the Switch eShop. Yeah, it's a cool looking indie game. I don't really know much about it other than it looks cool and um, has been on other platforms before um, and has a, a good reputation. So I'm, I'm that's one that I'm going to be looking into uh, to figure out if I want to spend some time with it. And then on Thursday, Gunvolt Chronicles Luminous Avenger 9-2, or do you think that's IX-2? I think it's probably IX2. It's a little I and a big X and then the number two. But we are also about to talk about some Kingdom Hearts games. So, like, you know, numbering <laughs> numbering doesn't mean anything, Mark. But these are – so it has been years now at this point since I was paying close attention to Inti Create's, like, Gunvolt slash Mighty Gunvolt series. But um, I don't know. Seeing this on the list – made me think back to like 2018 when those collections were releasing on switch and uh you and i were playing quite a bit of those like inti create 2d yeah. mega man-esque type games yeah i mean for for whatever reason uh without the actual like mega man ip attached to what inti creates is working on it's just it doesn't have the same sort of stickiness for me but uh yeah it does Again, this is, uh, you know, me talking about a game with absolutely, like, zero knowledge about what the game is. But, like, that does sound fun. It sounds interesting. I want to know more. And then on Friday, Pokemon Legends Arceus is released. It's exciting. It's interesting. I know nothing. And I would <laughs> like to know more. Well, maybe, uh, actually, I was going to say maybe on Thursday we'll uh, be able to speak a little more intelligently to it. But I know that that's not true. So no, no, like not at all. Like if we, if we have to mark, if you right now, gun to your head, someone says, what's Arceus? <laughs> You're dying, right? I don't know that I can answer. <laughs> I just be like, just pull the trigger. Put, put us both out of my, our misery. <laughs> put us both out of my misery. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark, and I'll talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today we are posed with a question. The question is, if... 
we were sitcom characters, what would our game be? Um, and so game is in quotes here. You were referring to like the dramatic or comedic premise of of the character right like in you know in sitcoms everybody has a role that they play and every episode they play that role and you know uh someone's the nerdy one someone's the jock someone's the one who breaks things and so what would our game be yeah well first are, are there like uh sitcom type like character types that you find yourself like that you like that you're like ah I like that kind of character or like that stick out in your head you know whether or not it's you it's just one that you respond to mm, I struggle to think of any I mean I guess that's not true I was gonna say I struggle to think of any like sitcom like tropes or characters that I think are like fun but that's of course absolutely not true I think you know like. <laughs> Well, because, okay, when I was, when uh, this question came to mind, I was thinking of, like, the really, those really, like, hoary, like, sitcom tropes of the 80s and 90s, where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, like, annoying neighbors, like, that kind of stuff. But you think of sitcoms like The Office or sitcoms like Seinfeld, and there are lots of characters who have games that are a lot, that are fun to see repeated over and over. Yeah. Um what one of the one of the like character games that sticks out to me like so strongly um from my youth uh is the character of Kimmy Gibbler from Full House. Um that she's just like the best friend who's like always there, a little annoying, kind of a mooch, makes herself like at home in a way that like isn't normal but it's also hard to falter for that because she's a child you know what i mean uh -huh. um like it's it's such a specific little like mix of character traits um that like when you see it in real life you'd be like ah there's a kimmy gibbler thing hap happening right here <laughs> and it could only be described as a kimmy gibbler thing that is really true and i, I think that that brings up like the fact that i feel like there are such almost strict sitcom rules in most sitcoms where it's like you're the put upon put upon spouse you are yeah. or you're like the uh spouse who's kind of an idiot but everybody loves them anyways you're yeah. the um you know you're one you're the kid who can get away with anything you are the neighbor who is just generally annoying yeah well and there's also this thing uh i think is maybe more prevalent now or maybe, maybe I'm t actually thinking about like 10 years ago, but like uh, idiot with unearned confidence that occasionally the confidence is warranted. Like I'm, I'm thinking of like a, a, like a Dwight Schrute or a Michael Scott or uh, even like Aziz's character on Parks and Recreation, like these characters or uh, Chris Pratt's character also on Parks that like these characters that are like dumb, super confident and occasionally their confidence like, actually gets them the thing they're going for <laughs> right even though they're fools <laughs> so i guess the question then becomes who are we i don't know you said you said the nerdy one earlier i, feel <laughs> like <you> said... <laughs> I know i i hate to say it, but that's pr that's probably that's that's probably us yeah yeah i mean it it, it probably is us it's it's tough because most of these sitcom types are not really like flattering portraits of human beings. Yeah, right? that's very true. Um, you know, even someone just to like go back to the office, even someone like Jim, like 
is a smug jerk and you're like you're not better than these people you're part of these people <laughs> um so yeah it's i my, I, I think yeah, in a sitcom itself right like let's say we were like in a home improvement-esque sitcom i think yeah. the kind of the characters we would be are like the nerdy characters who are like mm-hmm. neighbors or coworkers of one of the main characters who sure, we just like yeah. show up occasionally to talk about oh, for some advice. Uh, exactly. We talk about Over video games, a little bit. <laughs> Star Wars or Marvel. Everybody laughs at how nerdy we are. And then, but we do offer some sage advice like, well, in Dungeons and Dragons, this and this happens. So maybe you should reconcile with your son. You're not always going to roll over an 18. <laughs> you got to pour some points into those stats. And then then they'll respond, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but you're right. Yep, yep. And then when they uh, reiterate it back to uh, their loved ones, they'll mangle it. Oh, all right. Uh, well, I guess uh, we will never know uh, definitively what, what uh, sitcom archetypes we are. We were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Last week, Microsoft announced their intention to acquire Activision Blizzard in a blockbuster deal for $68.7 billion. Okay, so this is the biggest piece of uh, video game news last week, possibly ever. Um, It is not strictly Nintendo related, but uh, I think we got to touch on it at least a little bit because it's the biggest news and it's 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 huge it's like real world news it, this isn't just video game news it's like business news it is uh global economics news yeah and uh, i don't know obviously it's going to take years to see how this sort of thing this will play out and i'm sure there are tons of nuances that we're not going to be able to touch on here but my personal opinion is that this seems really bad for everybody that isn't microsoft or isn't like an activision shareholder i just i i just think like this amount of consolidation in the industry is long-term bad news yeah i mean that and that's uh that's definitely true here it was definitely true in uh disney purchasing um 20th century fox uh, a couple years ago for about the same amount of money it was actually a little more it was like 70.1 billion um but like i don't know it it is interesting because it's not as though like when we think about um i i agree with you that like uh, this level of consolidation is bad um but it's not quite uh monopolistic at this point like it's it's big but small enough that it seems like it probably won't have any sort of like hurdles at the federal level right like it's it's not going to get busted up i don't think um because it's not like phone service providers uh in the uh 20th century right where like they physically need to be broken up because there was only one company um there are still a couple different avenues by which games are distributed um and even though on the hardware side it's really just uh microsoft sony and nintendo um, on the like streaming side, there are so many different competitors, and you could argue that that's really where Microsoft is going to start to like make a killing here and like edging out Google, um, Facebook, and Netflix. Um, 
and Amazon too. Uh, does Amazon's thing still still exist? Like all of these uh, like streaming platforms are also trying to get started, and it seems like Microsoft is uh, just gonna own that space. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And you know, you mentioned Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo, which is true. But I I think Microsoft will probably argue that you know there's a lot of competition in PC, or at least they're not leading sure. in PC. Steam is. And, you know, they will, especially now, be competing in the mobile space where there are a lot of heavy hitters. And so, uh, yeah, I I feel like you're right that it is not strictly a monopoly, but it feels very, I think what you were talking about with Disney and Fox feels very instructive to this one where it does feel very much like a content play. Like yeah. Microsoft, this is a, a enormous amount of content that will now be easily available to them for game pass which you know is a huge priority for them but i think you know we are now beginning to see the kind of like ramifications of disney owning fox and that is the same sort of thing whenever there's this massive amount of consolidation where it's just like less choice in the marketplace like it is not it is not going to happen that activision blizzard will continue to operate as it does and that uh, they will continue to make the amount of the amount of games they do or the types of games they do in the same way that they do today. Which could be argued as a good thing though, right? Because like as far as how Activision Blizzard just like works on a day-to-day basis, you know, they're mired in all sorts of um, you know, like bullying and sexual harassment claims and unfair work practices and all, all this kind of stuff that like you know the the house does need to get sorted over at Activision Blizzard and then if you just look at what um their game output is like Activision as a company is mostly a Call of Duty machine right like they put out the uh Tony Hawk 1 plus 2 um like remake uh recently but like you know other than that like their portfolio isn't as broad isn't actively as broad as it as it used to be um and I also feel like Blizzard doesn't really like what what the, the what the Diablo 2 like remake was like the last thing that like they really put out and it seems like you know we are uh we're behind on like I if, if there was a new World of Warcraft, Warcraft, StarCraft, Overwatch uh or uh Hearthstone any like there, there are so many of the Activision or uh, the Blizzard series specifically that feel like they could launch a new one tomorrow and it wouldn't be surprising that there was a new one ready. Yeah. Do, so do, I don't know. You mean you mean just because it's been so long since yeah. there yeah. I I agree. I mean, I think it's no secret in the past few years, you know, that Blizzard is operationally a mess and that's not even counting all of the, you know, like right. sexual like all the sexual harassment and all that kind of stuff that has come to light in the past year or so. And so, um, yeah, in, in that way, great. What, uh, ab- absolutely. There's a lot of room for, for improvement there. So yeah, I, I think the Microsoft act, this deal is really complicated as I'm sure all of these deals that are so large are going to be. And it's right. going to take a very long time for us to fully understand the ramifications but from I also just feel like this, uh, the, this amount of consolidation in the game industry is not good news because, um, in order for other companies to compete, 
we're basically i am curious to see if this is going to cause the same sort of ripple effect that we have seen in the entertainment industry where you know when a behemoth of this size gets created other companies start agitating or like well in order for us to compete with microsoft games now we're going to have who do we have to acquire to be that big and it just sets off this domino effect of companies consolidating yeah, well, and like that—that that is a, a an interesting question too, though, because it's not like the other gaming companies uh, in in terms of um, Sony, PlayStation, and uh, you know, um, like Netflix and uh, Amazon, like they they and and Google, like all those places are gathering up resources, right, and uh, like purchasing studios, like so Sony kind of like quietly is purchasing studios all the time. Um, which is you know nothing very few purchases of the of the last uh, several years even come close to uh you know the this amount of money or this uh like huge cash of of ip and just games um but it seems like something that is happening uh, other places in the industry um just not on this scale so yeah it, it i mean totally Did, are, are there other game companies that are up for grabs like this like and how scary is it to think of um, you know, uh, someone buying like, you know, Square Enix or something, and like, how does that change what weird, <laughs> what weird stuff that company puts out, and where they put it out? Um, and it also like, uh, you know, all these comp, all, all three of the like hardware manufacturers that we were talking about are big companies, but like, Nintendo can't buy a Square Enix, right? Nintendo can't buy Take Two, like, uh, whereas Sony and Mike, Sony or Microsoft, either one probably could. Right. Like, I, I I don't know how Nintendo could compete on that level, is what I'm saying. Yeah, or that they would really be like, the, it, Nintendo doesn't strike me as a company that is interested in right. becoming a be, you know like a behemoth like that. So, yeah, I I oh one other thing that I thought was interesting about this is that. Uh, later in the week, Microsoft released a statement, maybe in response to something that um, Sony said, but basically saying that, you know, we're looking forward to Call of Duty being on PlayStation for in the years ahead. So at least the way they're talking now that it is not necessarily going to mean that all of these Activision Blizzard King franchises are going to be Microsoft exclusive. So, but they could be, a and like you know, how they're available on those platforms is also still uh, up for debate. Like, like they say that it's their you know intention to honor existing contracts, and that they're not going to take something like Call of Duty away from the um, communities that are currently playing them. Which, I mean, honestly, doesn't read to me like we're going to put all Call of Duty games on other platforms in the future. It means the Call of Duty that you're currently playing, we're not going to take away from you. Um, yeah, go ahead. It also kind of reminds me of the all the language we always see when these huge acquisitions are made. Same thing happened with like T-Mobile and Sprint when they were going to merge. Where it's like, no, this is uh, this is going to generate more jobs. This is going to be great for competition. Always, without fail, turns out to not be true. Thousands of people lose their jobs. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just more consolidation. Also, it's remarkable to me how quickly this deal seemingly came together for like a no merger kidding. of this size. It yeah. really does seem like the past, you know, few months when Activision was getting rightfully all of that negative press, uh, 
for the way that that the company is run that uh, you know kind of looks like Activision was looking for an escape hatch and Microsoft came calling. Yeah, I mean it, it. It is funny to like look back just a couple weeks ago and seeing, uh, you know, Phil Spencer of Xbox like issuing a a statement, being like, "We are reevaluating our relationship or how we do business with Activision Blizzard," and it's like, <laughs> oh, I mean that that is quite that is quite the uh, you know re- revision to your relationship. Now you own them. <laughs> also interesting that you know, f- um, then Microsoft is acquiring a company with such a toxic yeah like internal workings and reputation because that's a culture is a difficult thing to change in a company and it will be interesting very interesting to see how they go about doing that yeah i mean you would think that they would have to just like clean house right um but then it's almost like what did you buy yeah (laughs) yep so uh yeah and well, the 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 deal itself isn't even going to be finalized until like uh, you know like June or July 2023 anyway. So uh not you know not only are we going to not see the ramifications of this for a couple years, we're not even going to see it technically happen uh for another year and a half anyway. So Yeah. And uh, we'll yeah. And like you said in it'll be I agree with you that I that probably, you know, um, the government isn't going to step in and trying to stop the deal, but it will be interesting to see if there are concessions they have to make in if like Microsoft has or Activision have to make in order to close the deal. Like if there are studios they have to sell off or other, you know, agreements they have to make in order to do that. Yeah. Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga has a release date again. Woo! <laughs> and uh, there, a blowout gameplay trailer was released after being delayed out of 2020 and then again out of 2021. The release date is now set for April 5th, which is just a few months away. But Patrick... April the 5th be with you, Mark. <laughs> How do you believe this? Do you believe this to be true? Know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, what? Why? Why should? Why should we believe it? Yeah, exactly. Are we ready to open our hearts to hurt once again? Here's the thing. This is, I believe, the the like uh, shortest time between the like announcement of the date and like the actual release date um and also it is a firm release date of of april 5th i think they're probably ready to hit it like i if if i was a betting man i would say this is the one they actually keep um but man it's uh it's absolutely wild to think that this game will really come out yeah it's been it's been a long time the trailer showed off a new focus on combat including combo systems that seems kind of you know more akin to the arkham games or other character action games like that yeah um i'm 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 very excited because the lego games uh in the past obviously are you know like combat heavy but it's not as though the combat is involved in any way right it's all just sort of like uh a soft hack and slash um and then with like some light puzzle elements but this really seemed to focus on uh like how the combat was meaningful and dynamic and looked cool and uh, I'm I can't wait to swing a lightsaber in this thing. I it also doesn't look like the game works exactly like we thought it did as far as the openness and ability to jump from film to film. It looks like you can like tackle the game beginning 
whatever trilogy you want to tackle. So the original trilogy, the uh, sequel trilogy, or the prequel trilogy. But that you aren't be going to be able to say, I want to play through Last Jedi, and then I'm going to jump to Attack of the Clones, and I'm going to jump to uh, A New Hope. It seems like it'll be like, you could start with any trilogy, but within that trilogy, you, you play through the three movies. Yeah, which um, I guess is a, uh, it's a little disappointing in that it's not what we thought, but maybe, maybe the trailer is doing a bad job of like, presenting it and, and you actually could start with return of the jedi if you wanted to um unclear at the moment uh but i just remember that being one of the sort of selling points early on that was like oh yeah if you just want to hop into revenge of the sith you can do it um but maybe that's not strictly the case i uh revenge of the sith it just made me think like i've never i've never experienced the moment when anakin um gets burned to a crisp <laughs> In, in lava <laughs> in Lego yeah. before, so that yeah. will that will be a new experience for me personally. Uh, yeah, Lego Mustafar. I don't want it to play through <laughs> two and a half other movies before I can get there. Like, uh, it's I don't I don't know. I'm 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 very excited about this game, so I actually do want to play through the the two other movies before I get there. Um, but yeah, it's just the the openness uh, that that being sort of like tamped down a little bit uh, makes me just wonder about the other openness that may have been uh, tamped down. Um, and, you know, we'll get uh, uh, a little bit later on to some notes about uh, crunch involved in the creation of this game. So it's possible that like where it was originally specced and what it looked like when we saw it at E3 in 2019 um, is, you know, they had to like strip it back down to, to nuts and bolts to like figure out how to actually make it work the way that they were promising and then realize that they couldn't deliver on everything they were promising. Also, uh, they revealed a new feature called mumble mode. Mumble mode. I'm very into mumble mode. Mark, are you, uh, are you tuned into the whole mumble mode thing? Or I, I had to, I had it? to look it up to know okay. what exactly it is, but do you want to explain it? Sure. So uh, there, there is sort of a, a divide in the uh, uh, TT games, um, uh, Lego games, where uh, there was a while where they were recreating uh, scenes from movies and like entire plots from movies without having any dialogue that the characters would just sort of like blah, 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 um, and just getting it across through the sort of visual storytelling and it would be jokey and fun that way. But in the last I don't know, probably like seven or eight years, uh, the games have been fully voice acted and that is good, but it also like kind of changes the experience from a like pantomime funny thing to uh, a funny thing with words. And so in this game, which is fully voice acted and everything, you can turn on a mumble mode where they are now no longer saying the actual words that they're saying. It's just sort of blah, 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 blah. Um, and you'll just have to infer the story from the visual storytelling. I think it's a cool thing to include it. It makes me wonder if it's like the exact same cutscene, but with the dialogue changed to not dialogue, um, which seems like it's not fulfilling the same kind of like you have to approach that from that. That's like a first decision. Right. <laughs> and then like you write the scene based on uh, on the fact that your characters are mumbling. Um, but it's st still cool. Yeah, TT Games bringing peace to families before brothers, sisters, warring against each other. That's right. Uh, <laughs> over whether LEGO games should have voice acting or not. No longer with Mumble Mode. Um, but, you're, but yeah, I, I do think we need to talk about, uh, per, like, coincidentally or 
probably intentionally, the announcement of the release date was time to a Polygon story about crunch that went into uh, the creation of Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga TT Games, but also the long history of the work environment at TT Games. And it really was, like at least for me, a little bit of a rude awakening in just how pervasive toxic work environments seem to be in games. And then it, yeah. it also makes me feel like that is probably just true everywhere. Like, to- like yeah. yeah, like a lot of places just probably have toxic work environments. Well, I mean, there there's a lot of inertia at uh, at bigger businesses, right? And uh, the, the fact that, um, you know, video games require so much effort from so many people that like to change one thing or to modernize one thing means having to, you know, change a hundred job descriptions. Um, like the inertia sort of makes sense, um, but it necessarily leads to like bad work environments. Right. So over 30 workers spoke to Polygon. Principal complaints included overtight development schedules, the company's crunch culture, and outdated development tools. Yeah, the the outdated development tools in particular. Check out this this Polygon feature, by the way, if if you haven't um, seen it. Um, that's to the listeners, not to you, Mark. I know you have. <laughs> um, uh, but the, the the talking about the the outdated development tools, like they wanted to move to Unreal Engine, or at least like some of the developers, uh, a lot of the people that talked to Polygon wanted to move to Unreal Engine, but they were stuck using a, an older engine um, that was not able to achieve the things that they wanted to, and it was it made recruiting harder. It made everything more difficult because people know how to use Unreal, but they don't know how to use this proprietary thing they, they were working with and maybe it wasn't proprietary i might be speaking out of turn there well but in i think it i don't know it just what i thought was so interesting is you know they talk about i think there were three different you know leaders of tt games over the time period that the article covers and while like some improvements have been made or you know are at least trying to be made for the most part it seems like each opportunity for a fresh reset was not taken and those problems were so pervasive. And it again, made me just think of what we were talking about with Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. And it's like making changes are, is so complicated without uh, almost like a clean sweep of cleaning house and starting from scratch. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and you know, it's a, this is also a good like where we can like put a a pin in the corkboard here and we can trace it back to um you know tt games uh is under the umbrella of warner brothers games wb games um which you know had its own like bit of turbulence uh, a couple years ago when it when warner brothers was gonna or uh, time warner was gonna sell them off um and you know even before that like this game was in development right before they were even owned by wb games is that is that right or am i am i wrong in that maybe i'm uh, wrong in that i yeah i i think the tt games has been owned by warner brothers for a for a very long time i guess i don't know when i i'm not sure i'm not sure is the yeah, yeah yeah uh but re- regardless it, it means that those like changes in leadership like mark was saying um that there there is something going on like in the uh, overall wb games umbrella you know it's there are a bunch of studios there like high profile ones that we haven't seen games from in a long time um you know the the forthcoming uh arkham knights and 
um, uh, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League are from, you know, Warner Brothers or WB Studios. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, it, it, it seems like all of their, all the studios are uh, slow to drop a new game. And that's, I mean, it seemingly at this point got to just be from mismanagement, right? Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if I just need to like internally just assume that every video game company has terrible culture unless proven otherwise. <laughs> it's, it's possible, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, um, I, I had never really considered that T, you know, the TT games might be bad to work for, which is silly on my part because it's like, well, I mean, odds are probably better that a company is bad to work for than a company is good to work for. So yeah, yep. it was just a little bit of like a wake up call for myself. Um, to read that article. Mm -hmm. The Kingdom Hearts games are coming to Switch as cloud versions later this year. And now we have a, a specific release date. On February 10th, you will be able to play these games as cloud versions. And the pricing is a little bit all over the place. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> so Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 Remix, which is a single package, is $40. Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue is 50 Kingdom Hearts 3 with the Remind DLC is $50 and you can bundle of all for of all three for $90 or right now you can pre-order that bundle uh and it's marked down to $72 but that feels like a lot a lot for cloud versions of these games well, it feels a lot like for the games themselves. You can get uh, Kingdom Hearts, the complete package for other platforms, for uh, Xbox and PlayStation for like $20, $25. Like they are uh, routinely on, on sale below that. Um, so like this is, uh, I, I, to me, this is just a bad deal. Uh, and then the fact that it's cloud versions, um, it makes it an even worse deal because you don't like, you own access to it, but I guess only for as long as what happens when uh, we're, we're not playing Nintendo Switch anymore. Like, do you still have access to these games? Probably not. Right. And at some point, the servers are going to shut down. Yeah. So, but uh, Patrick, you checked out the demo for this. What was your experience like? Yeah, so there are demos available for all three of these games um, on the Switch eShop at, at the moment. So if you are interested in uh, playing any of these games in the cloud version, please play the demo first. Uh, my experience playing the demo for the first one uh, was not good. A lot of lag um, and, you know, the, the actual quality of the game notwithstanding, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that I would put up with if I wanted to actually play it. If I wanted to really play these games, I would play them on PlayStation. Banjo-Kazooie on Nintendo Switch Online was just released last week, but we already have an announcement for the next game to hit the Nintendo 64 service, and that is Legend of Zelda, Zelda Majora's Mask, heading sometime in February. No specific date yet, but sometime in February. Yeah, and it, you know, if history is any indication, it'll be like the last week-ish. It'll be like Two thirds of the we got we had it on the twentieth for Banjo Kazooie and you have to assume that like about then is when we'll see uh, the um, Majora's Mask. Interesting. Uh, also, in addition to um, you know Banjo Kazooie last week, it looks like Nintendo is tweaking the Nintendo sixty four emulator with these releases as well. Yeah. So I on I can't remember if we talked about it on the show, but when the 
Nintendo Switch Online, Nintendo 64 was released, people noticed that some of the emulation wasn't perfect, like in The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, in the Shadow Link room in the Water Temple, some of the visual elements were missing, like the fog in the room was gone, there was no reflection in the water of like the tree or the like cabin or house or whatever that is in there. Yeah, and and there's some like transparency about the water that's not quite right. So the the fog is still missing, but with the update that was released with Banjo-Kazooie last week, the that transparency and the reflection seem to have been improved and brought back. So they are making changes and adjustments to the emulator as they go along. Yeah, well, so this is my question, though. What, what does this mean? Did they just change the emulator for... Are, are are there ch- are, are these changes to the overall emulator? Are these changes to just the way the thing emulates uh, Ocarina of Time, or are they somehow like hot fixing Ocarina of Time? I don't think it's that. I don't think it's the last because like if they're emulating, you know why why would they go in and like mess with the source code there? Um, but like I don't know. It it all feels very. Uh, it all feels very straight. I just have all kinds of questions. Yeah, I I don't know either. Uh. Yeah, and like we were talking about earlier, are they making these? I'm guessing, you know, they're continuing to look at the library and see which games they can emulate for the service later on. And so maybe, you know, uh, in addition to the bug fixes for the games that are released, they're also looking at what they're running up against for games that have not been released yet. And, yeah, you no, know, that, it's that's kind of actually like a cascading effect. That's a great point because, like, the fog effects. Um, and you know the 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 fog that's not visible or that's not uh, present in Ocarina of Time is also the same fog that's not uh, present in like Mario Kart, like when you're in that Choco Mountain uh, level. Um, there used to be a layer of fog there. If you're playing it on the Nintendo 64 uh, Switch Online, it's it's not there, and you can just like see that the draw distances um, are better on uh, the emulated game than it was on the original hardware, so they don't need the fog. But the fog was like something that they built in as like an aesthetic element, um, and so yeah, I mean maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that is the reason we haven't seen Pilot Wings or uh, Wave Race sixty four because those, especially Wave Race, really relied on fog um, to obscure like the uh, outer edges of of the tracks and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, but the, but it, 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 it's weird to think that they're like in a world where they're like, well, someday we'll be able to make the fog work on this thing. Well, and maybe <laughs> and they won't. Maybe they won't. And maybe and they that, won't. Maybe and that's won't. why, you know, we'll never get Turok. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's a blessing, though. <laughs> NPD released their best-selling list of games and hardware for 2021, and uh, the Nintendo Switch was the best-selling console of the year. Though, you know, everything was basically selling out, so... PlayStation and Xbox numbers are likely supply supply constrained. Still impressive, though. Mm-hmm. Go Nintendo Switch. Uh, the top 20 games of 2021, and remember, Nintendo's digital sales numbers aren't included in this. Uh, no surprise, Call of Duty Vanguard from Activision Blizzard and Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, the top two best-selling games, followed by Madden, NFL 22. But Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl is are the number four best-selling games of 2021, again, by, like, physical dollar sales. But an interesting note is that this is Pokemon's best year of physical software sales since the year 2000. 
Which, okay. Um, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, obviously, driving a lot of that. New Pokemon Snap, driving that as well. And also, like, continued sales of uh, Sword and Shield, right? So there are a couple Pokemon games that are actually, like, driving that. But it's still most successful physical software sales means not even counting the digital sales, right? Like, um, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like people got to be buying these games digitally, right? Like, it just, it, it, it seems like the uh, Pokemon is probably an e- e- in even more impressive place than we think it is. Yeah. From, I think, from these numbers. I think you're right. Also in the top 10 from Nintendo, Mario Kart 8 is number seven beating out Resident Evil Village. I don't know, Mario. Uh, just continuing to prove how crazy successful Mario Kart 8 Deluxe continues to be. Yeah. And then number 10 is Super Mario 3D World, which I'm assuming this is the Bowser F- Bowser's Fury version on Switch, but I think like Mario Kart 8, technically they're counting it as like one title. Okay, so if anyone bought Super Mario 3D World for the Wii U last year, it also got added to this total. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it, it, it's possible. Um, and then al- also in the uh, top 20, Animal Crossing New Horizons is at number 14, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is at um, 17, uh, bearing in mind, of course, that the, that's only for physical stuff, right? So any of the uh, – if any Happy Home Paradise that was sold uh, for Animal Crossing – uh, New Horizons wouldn't have been counted in this list, and neither would the uh, two character packs for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. So both of those games, uh, in addition to just being uh, their digital sales numbers not being included on there, are making more money than it would appear they are uh, uh, fr- from this list. Also, the top 20 Switch games, two things I wanted to call out that I thought were interesting here. One, Metroid Dread makes it in at number 11. So just out of the top 10, just out of the top 10, but I very happy to see Metroid dread on this list. The second one is that super Mario 3d all-stars makes the list a game that I guess was delisted in March, but has continued. I think is continually available through Amazon or copy still on the shelves. Yeah, well, and the fact that it was delisted on the Nintendo eShop would be immaterial to this list because they do not count digital sales. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Great point. And finally, Mario Kart Tour, the mobile Mario Kart game, is hosting a Wario versus Waluigi Tour. Honestly, Mark, how dare they make us choose between Wario and Waluigi? It seems unfair. It seems not just unfair, but, like, morally wrong. Like, just let us have both. (laughs) These are not characters we should be pitting against each other. Well, I think, luckily, Patrick, they don't kill whatever character doesn't win. (laughs) All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating on Spotify. And if you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. It helps us out tremendously when you do that, and we like to see it. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. 
For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire.